What's up, Warriors? I'm Kaylee. And I'm Betsy. And this is the Not Your Mama Pod. Before we jump into my story, I thought it'd be good to give a quick trigger warning. While I do talk about my journey for endometriosis, I also do discuss pregnancy and miscarriage. And as you all can imagine, it's a bit emotional. So if this is triggering for you, go ahead and skip the episode. I totally understand. Love you, warriors. Hey, B, how you doing this week? Hey, girl. I'm good. Hey, Hey. you're good. (laughs) I'm good. I mean, yeah, I actually have had a pretty good week. Um, I'm feeling pretty decent hormonal. Well, I feel like I know I said last time, like I'm on this roller coaster. So it's like, yeah, I, I have really good days and then I have really bad days. So today was a really good day. So I feel good today, this day. Feel good today. <laughs> uh, you've been doing so much Christmas family stuff. Is that taking a toll on you at all? It is. I'm exhausted already. And we're not even like, we're just now halfway through the month. Yeah. So. And I have stuff this weekend and stuff, obviously stuff all next weekend. And I've just been so busy in general that I think I'm just surviving. <laughs> like <laughs> that is the mission is just survive. So we're doing that. That's part of the holidays though, right? You just keep going until you can't anymore. That's what I told someone. I cannot wait for January. I just <laughs> genuinely, we are so busy in December with stuff and when January comes is like oh like (laughs) we can breathe yeah that's hilarious what about you how are you feeling I'm good I um finally feel rested so I got back from my vacation on Monday um and then have been sleeping (laughs) thanks half the tans (laughs) from a tanning bed but I'm gonna own it it was absolutely amazing I think we texted a little bit before and during my trip that I had really strategically planned when this vacation occurred I didn't want to feel sick I didn't want to be in a flare-up before my period I didn't want to be on my period Um, there's only so much you can control but I was trying to control as much as I possibly could I got lucky I really didn't have many issues on trip there was one extended boat ride where we were snorkeling all day that my hip really started hurting me. Um, but it was at the tail end. So at that point, I was like, I'm just going to awkwardly hunch here and make it through. So I'm still coming off that high vacation. I feel good. Jealous. I know. I, uh, I've tried to book two trips in the two days I've been home already. So that's exactly you know, my style. As soon as you come home from one, you better book another or think about I it. Was. I was like, uh, Vegas for Christmas. You know, like I came home, my neighbors were going to the Dominican Republic the next day and they had originally invited me on this trip. And I was like, uh, you're there till like January. What? Maybe I'll show up. <laughs> Maybe so I'll just pop in. I totally would. And COVID and traveling is hard, but I feel like after you do a big trip, you kind of have some of it figured out and- I feel comfortable now. So what were the like restrictions? Like, did you have to get tested before and at like coming back? Yeah. And so we actually, my group left during the big change with the new variant. So not only did we, we knew we were going to have to get tested to leave the country. Um, Belize requires a COVID test within so many hours. We knew we were going to get tested to come back in the States, but the time period on it changed. Oh, so, really? I know that. Yeah, so you have to get tested within one or the day before you come back. And okay. so there being a window, it has to be certain tests. Your results have to say certain things or identifiers, things like that. But 
Belize is so accommodating. I was able to schedule our COVID test to come to my room. Oh, that's nice. So it worked out really, really well. Still COVID free. Super happy. (laughs) I miss the ocean. I miss swimming with sharks. But you know, I will be back. Yes, I love that. Yeah, my soul (laughs) is happiest on the water or like around the water. I love it so much. So we'll get off my amazing vacation. I've pushed out too many photos already. Let's talk about you. Have you been coping? Oh, I haven't. (laughs) (laughs) You have not been coping. That's what that face just said. (laughs) Surviving. Surviving. Talk us through that. What have you been doing to survive? And Um, I'm kidding. Obviously, I've been coping fine this week. But it is. It's like during these like extreme lows, I'm I'm just really acknowledging them yeah um I'm I cannot say how grateful I am that I know my body yeah because like I know what's happening and if I did not know my body if I wasn't very like mentally in tune with what was happening I think that I would probably be uh, in a lot worse like mental shape because I'm having like these days of like crazy deep depression almost or like not even full days just like middle of the day my like I'll just my mood will like drop instantly it's really weird yeah so um I'm just like definitely trying to acknowledge those I've also been like really gracious with myself as far as when I'm like exercising or like when I'm working out yeah Um, I've been doing a lot of nights which is not my jam I'm usually very very much in the morning and um but that's just I haven't been able to get out of bed very well <laughs> and I've been enjoying, enjoying the little extra time with my husband in the morning. So it's yeah. not, it's not bad. It's just, I would like this morning I got up and I felt like I started my day right. And it was just much more casual paced instead of right. like crazy cramming everything in, in the morning. But we're, I hear you fine. say you have grace for your body, grace for your mind. Yes. keeping the judgment out of it that's the healthiest thing I think I've ever heard you say well thank you yeah I, and that's all I can do honestly like and that's all I can encourage other people to do as well <laughs> give yourself if you're going through anything just give yourself some grace like we're gonna figure it out <laughs> yeah I tell myself that all the time um I used to get really really down on myself if I missed workouts your girl's over a week without the gym right now um I just think it's important to know that missing one workout isn't going to change your entire physique. You're not missing a milestone. And in all reality, if your mind or your body is telling you, you should not be there, then you're not going to get whatever you thought you were going to get out of it anyway. So that grace is really hard to learn, but you're better in the long run. If you listen to your body, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Thank you. There was even one night this week that, um, I just, I did an at home workout and I was like I'm gonna give myself 10 minutes and if I'm not feeling it in 10 minutes like I can be done I don't have to you know I'm not gonna force myself through anything and obviously in 10 minutes you're usually fine like once you right. start and start moving so I am very grateful for that and giving myself that permission which I yeah one it's hard. Life, I wouldn't have yeah I remember there were times in my life I've driven to the gym and been in the parking lot and I'm still almost in tears because I don't think I can do it. And I applaud myself for the fact that like, if I feel that way before I go, I just don't go anymore. I go do yoga. I go meditate, 
or I'll try again later on in the day. It, it does not mean I'm a failure for not showing up. No. And many times your body is like giving you a massive hint that it is time to rest. Yeah. So. And I, I want to hit back on your depression. I, that's very curious to me. I was trying to explain somebody, explain to somebody that when I feel depressed and I know it's hormonally charged, it's like this sporadic, overwhelming sense of doom that yeah. like, even if I know I was okay five minutes ago, it's just there and everything's bad until it passes. And I've never been able to explain how random it can happen. Yeah. And hearing you say that, it's kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of connecting to hear somebody else say like, it just can happen out of nowhere to me sometimes. Yeah, it is. It's very much like, I, I think like your estrogen just dropped. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. So I'm not right. But you're not doctors. We have let, no medical history. We just have a lot of experience. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's like um, your hormones, your estrogen, whatever, just like plummet. And all of a sudden, like your brain doesn't work. It doesn't feel good it's you're not yeah. good so it is interesting sad. I am grateful that I have those moments over you know continuous depression or anything like that anymore but I want everybody to hear this to know that it's normal and it happens and we have grace and we're proud of you for making it through each moment yes absolutely. uh for me I mean I was on island time so I did everything slow. I woke up each morning and did meditate or listen to Not Your Mama Pod over the ocean. Uh, um, a lot of self-reflection but a lot of taking it easy. I do like adventure vacation so I do like going and jumping in the ocean with sharks but I have learned like if I don't want to do something I have no pressure. I don't have pressure to drink. I don't have pressure to do that and that was kind of my coping this week is I wanted to enjoy my vacation and I wanted to be able to survive the travel. So I took all the necessary means that I knew I needed to be happy. Oh, that's amazing. Growth. 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 <laughs> Hashtag growth. You know, Kaylee <laughs> used to live for whoever was with her five years ago. So to be like, this is what Kaylee's body needs to do. And I'm going to be so much more fun once I get over this little hump is, right. is growth. And just listening to your body is obviously so important always. <laughs> um, so what you got in your cup of there? What you sipping on? Okay. I'm very happy about this. Let me oh, look at this excitement. Still not drinking <laughs> alcohol, but I feel like I needed to get on Kaylee level a little bit at least. Okay. Okay. So what you got? There's a big smile, people. There's a huge oh my smile God. there. This is making me so happy. Can you see it? I can. It looks gorgeous. Is it like maroony? Yeah. It looks like wine-esque so let me tell you what this is I don't know if I'm gonna say any of the words right <laughs> so I believe the, in you the brand is sparkling botanicals Ooh. and um so it says steeped botanicals in sparkling water and it's this one's called Patagonia Maki Maqui Ma I don't know so non-alcoholic like sparkling drink it is and it tastes like uh, okay so you know I've been on this mission to find like a red a wine yeah like wine this is way better than any wine I've tasted oh so it actually says um it, it has accents from red wine grape skins and forest berries to have an almost wine-like profile and this is pleasing me like it's like sparkling dry wine 
if oh, that makes that sense. so delicious sounding. Is this the first drink ever or you've been drinking them for a minute? No, this is the first one I've ever had. I've, I've like seen them advertised on Instagram and stuff. And um, I was at my coffee shop and they had this one. I think there's a couple Ooh. different flavors. So I grabbed two cans and I was like, oh, well, that'll be my drink tonight. And I'm very pleased with this choice. Uh, it sounds delicious. And I want you to recap it later on your story if it like if it suits your need, but you feel yeah, good afterwards, I right? Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like we are kind of on the same wavelength. I have a sparkling drink as well. Ooh. Uh, Boulevard Brewery is one of the Kansas City's most famous breweries. They came out with their spiked and sparkling drink. It's called Cork. And yeah. I am a fan of every single flavor, um, almost too much. So I feel like I'm drinking sparkling water sometimes enough to be like, yo, girl, there is some alcohol in that. <laughs> yo, yo, take it down a notch. <laughs> so I'm drinking the pear one tonight. Um, they have an amazing watermelon one. They have strawberry basil. Oh, they're mm. all delicious. That sounds good. I only brought one in the room because I did not need to be doing two or three in this pod. I might have you uh, ship me some <laughs> Barbecue sauce. On the way. <laughs> oh. Speaking of, did you receive a package today? Uh, not yet, okay. but I am super excited. You guys, I have barbecue sauce coming. <laughs> she does. <laughs> uh, Betsy, why don't you share with our amazing guests how much you're spoiling me? Oh, Kaylee is getting some things. But <laughs> what she knows she's getting is a four-pack of our local breweries, new... I don't even remember exactly what it was. Something cheesecake, was like sour. Cheesecake, raspberry cheesecake, oh, fruit. Don't yeah. even worry. I saved the picture because your girl is excited. I it is a, a, I did have a sip of it and it was cranberry, cranberry, orange, cinnamon, cheesecake, tart fruit ale. It was, it's delicious. I cannot wait for you to try it. I'm very excited about it. You guys missed like my jaw dropping to the table because I'm drooling over this drink. I made partake in one sitting but you know what I will also have to share I didn't feel like a heavy beer but I did get the Hershey Porter from Yingling delivered yes, that one's good and it's delicious have I'm you, happy when you gave that recommendation to me it's great have you had that one yeah I, I I ordered it after your recommendation but it is very very good I'm yeah very I happy. I had never had like oh not I didn't have had it I don't love the regular Yingling yeah, but I do like it. the Hershey's Porter. That one's so good. The Hershey's Porter is good. You guys, check it out. We do like dark beer over here. So apparently we like sparkling light and dark beer. We have no middle ground. Your girl misses a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into this week's topic. We're going to talk about my journey. This is Kaylee. And then when we come back in our next episode, Betsy's going to walk you guys through her journey um, from symptom to diagnosis and where we currently are in life. Sound that good, B? Sounds good to me. <laughs> let's so, start. <laughs> let's start. Let's go down the journey of memories. Uh, as a reminder, I did get diagnosed with endometriosis last February at 30 years old. Um, I That is after... 15, 16 years of pain and issues. My period did start when I was in sixth grade. I don't have a ton of memories about that initial starting um, other than the date started because my mother showed up at school after seeing blood in my panties oh. doing laundry and was like, hey girl, you started your period. I said, blasphemy. No, I did not. <laughs> Leave this building not. now. 
<laughs> I am oh. not a woman. I do not want a cake. Um, if that was a thing. That no, a if thing. I did, I, yeah. I sent her home. I was like, you're crazy. You are crazy. This is not happening to me. Go away. Oh. <laughs> On the way back to class, I stopped to the bathroom and I was mortified to find out she was correct. And so I found a phone and called her back and said, take me out of the school. I am done with the day. (laughs) Trauma. Trauma. (laughs) So I love that there's woman empowerment and kids seem to own their bodies and their cycles. Now, when I was going through that phase, it was not something I was excited about. I was one of the first kids in my grade to get their period. And so it was like the forbidden secret. I wanted no one to know that I was a woman. I don't know if you were the same way growing up. I'm pretty private. Like, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have wanted anyone to know. I definitely would never have had a party or a cake. I was like, (laughs) not happening. (laughs) I will have a uterus cake at some point in my life. Now I'm, now I'm loud and proud, but back then. I have had uterus cookies, but. (laughs) Those still look amazing. Props to your friends. Props to your friends. Um, But yeah, so I started my period in sixth grade. I don't really remember how sick I was. It wasn't something that was talked about. One example I use, which is really odd, but like I never was talked through how to use a tampon. I sat in there and read the manual. So everything was kind of just not discussed in my family or my friend group. Um, I do know that I had to have been sick enough because within a year I was on birth control. And that wasn't because I asked for it or I remember eating conversations with my mom. Um, I was really just told I had a doctor's appointment. We At went in. Seven, seventh grade. You were yeah, it was seventh or eighth grade. So oh my super early, super early without really a discussion. Like, I honestly don't remember what prompted it. My mom does not have diagnosed endometriosis, but I'm pretty sure she had it. She had a hysterectomy in her early 30s. Um, so my best understanding is she just realized I was sick and having all the same things she had and went and took me I in. Yeah, but I don't remember the conversation. When I showed up there, the physician did not do any pelvic exams, no pap smears, no nothing. They asked me if it was for intercourse. And when I said no, I got a prescription without even being back in the doctor's office. That's crazy. Wow. Small town, Kansas for the win. <laughs> <laughs> or the or the loss, to be honest. Um, oh, I, I do pinpoint that as the first time the medical community really did let me down because I I was in, like I said, seventh or eighth grade. I think it was the summer right before eighth grade. Uh, I did not go back for a prescription renewal for a pap smear or anything until I was a senior in high school getting ready to go to college. You just got birth control, like nonstop, basically. Prescribed birth you. control nonstop from a physician in a different state. That is. Because I had moved. Bananas. Right? So when I got told right before college that my prescription needed renewed to go to college, I remember going to that doctor's appointment all alone. Um, I lived with my father at that time. So I just did the things. I called my mom and I was like, they told me I'm going to have an exam. And I remember her verbally telling me on the phone that what a pap smear was because I didn't know it was coming. Oh, geez. And I was like, hey, so I'm not going to go back to school after this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call <absolutely>. me out. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I got on that birth control birth control band-aid really early I've been on birth control like I said I think it was the summer before eighth grade and I went through it until I was a grown adult out of college never stopping birth control oh my gosh yeah so I don't know it's a double-edged sword um 
I had really heavy periods. I had bleed throughs. I had period bags. I remember track season being the absolute worst. Running was horrible with my cramps. What did you do uh, track? Did you run? I was I was a hurdler. Okay. I'm pretty sure uh, periods were a huge issue for me then because I remember always thinking about like not wanting to do certain things because I didn't know if my body was going to like be okay for it without really knowing it wasn't normal. Isn't that crazy? It's, it is. Bad periods are not normal. <laughs> not out there. I remember in junior high being the girl that everyone came to if they didn't have a tampon because I carried bags of supplies around and I was flabbergasted that my friends didn't have to. Or, the, or in my opinion, that they weren't prepared. No, girl, they didn't have to. Yeah, they, they didn't realize, or you didn't realize what everyone else dealt with. Definitely not. Um, and then high school was pretty much the same for me. I remember having really, really sucky periods and bleed throughs and things like that. Um, I lived with my dad. So I needed to go buy the supplies. I was buying my own birth control. I was buying my own tampons. I just did laundry. If my sheets got bloody, like... That literally was no talk was free also big facts big facts yes. uh I, th- I think it became free my senior year of high school or, or freshman year of college because I remember that throwing me through a loop and none of my friends even knew and I was like, yeah, oh, you're like guys, oh, it's zero dollars <laughs> you didn't go do this for yourself like yeah my childhood as an adult uh I do remember one time I bought prenatal vitamins when I was picking up my prescription for birth control and had my big old box of tampons as a high schooler because I had read prenatal vitamins make your hair grow oh yeah and I still (laughs) remember the judgment from the lady behind the counter like why do you need all these things you're like I have birth control tampons and prenatal (laughs) I'm super prepared get off me (laughs) for anything anything. so that was it I, I literally was on birth control until my early 20s and I do remember going to the OB in college because my cycles, now I know I was probably passing blood clots or I had a cyst burst, but I, I just had bled so much that I was like, this can't be okay. Um, and I was really just turned away and got told to take ibuprofen and, you know, it was part of it. So I thought, yeah, I thought fevers were normal. I thought whole body cramps. I thought being sick was normal. Everybody says their period sucks. So I just thought my period sucked. Right. In my early 20s, we had decided to start trying for children. And it wasn't an act of, we are going to try to get pregnant. It was a, hey, I had been on birth control my whole life because I didn't want to mess up my plan to graduate college, to get a job, to have a house. We are now ready for children. So let's get off birth control and let's get pregnant in the next, you know, year. So I really, it wasn't that we were oh, trying. Silly, silly dreams. <laughs> no, silly girl. <laughs> silly girl. And it really was, it was so funny because I, I'd been asked when I was going to become a mom for so long that I used to, oh, my heart. I used to joke about being pregnant. So my friends would get excited. and be like, just kidding. I don't want kids yet. And oh. now I'm like, wow, wow. That was poor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wish I could take those jokes out. <laughs> Uh, so we quit, we quit preventing, but we weren't trying. Cause I was just under this impression that, Hey, I was, I was going to get pregnant right away. My brother had his first child at 18. My mom had a teen pregnancy. I just thought the minute you decided to have kids, you would have kids. Yeah. And then that didn't happen. Nope. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> it didn't happen. It didn't happen for years. It, it just didn't happen. And I gradually went from the 
I'm not trying to prevent to, hey, I'm going to check my ovulation to, hey, this, hey, that. There was always a little voice in the back of my mind that said getting pregnant might be difficult for me because my mom said she had troubles. Now, I really didn't know what that meant. We didn't talk about things. And my mom was just like, I had some women issues and you might have women issues. But my mom successfully had three children. My mom had miscarriages. Um, So for me, it was like pregnancy might be hard, but it was not going to be impossible. And I don't know why it's going to be hard. My mom said it's going to be hard. (laughs) Like, uh, I was a little scared. I didn't want to know I had an issue. So I think for a long time, we just tried. And when that didn't work, I immediately jumped to walking down the path to IVF um, in a non-traditional way because I was at a healthcare company at the time. They pretty much offered to pay for the first round of IVF completely. What a freaking miracle is all I'm saying. Right. And this was like, I mean, they've been doing it. They started this practice probably 15 years ago, if not longer. You know, they were the first to run through that boat. So I started going through the IVF. Um, my healthcare company had their own insurance. So I started with the insurance. Very practical, Kaylee approach. Like, let's make sure things are going to get paid for because this is going to work. Yeah, that was very practical of you. And I'm nothing but practical. Maybe too much so, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I started that process. I had my intake appointment. I started talking to the insurance. We're getting everything lined up. And I uh, went paddle boarding for my birthday. And I just remember being paddle boarding and thinking, goodness gracious, my boobs are huge. This paddle's not working. I am off balanced. This, this is all because of my tatas. Like, what the, what, what? Like, <laughs> so mad, right? Um, I will say, I, I did have some chemical pregnancies throughout the process. And the first thing that happened was my boobs got big and sore. And so I was like, oh, it's probably another thing like that. Yada, yes. yada. Um, finished paddle boarding, went out to go get dinner. I was a vegetarian at the time and we drove by a steakhouse and I go, oh my goodness, I want a big old steak. <laughs> As a vegetarian. <laughs> and I will preference, I was a vegetarian, um, not because I have a moral reason, not that that's bad, but I was a vegetarian because I just literally would not eat the meat on my plate. So I would cook this huge dinner. I'd take one bite of my meat and I'd give it away and be like, now I'm, now I'm out of church. Now I'm not eating anything to supplement right. that protein. So I made a strategic choice to like start supplementing it and eating more non-meat products and eventually was a vegetarian. So for me to be like, I want a big old juicy steak was just so out of character for me. Right. Went on uh, to dinner, to a movie, whatever it was. And through the whole movie, I just remember sitting there going, why do I want a steak? Like this little person <laughs> in my head is telling me this is not okay. Right. Went home, took four pregnancy tests, and then finally walked out of the bathroom. My mouth was, can we please go to the grocery store to buy more pregnancy tests? <laughs> After four of them. <laughs> I did not believe them uh, because I said yes. So we did, and they said yes too, and I didn't know what to do with my life, so I just did nothing, went to bed. The next morning, I didn't have an like OB that wasn't through my work. I messaged a friend that worked in the building who was with child and said, who are you seeing with an insurance cat out of the bag? I need some help. And so she told me who she was seeing and I called them and however lucky I got, I got an appointment the same day, which oh, is nice. yeah. super unheard of. 
And in normal Kaylee fashion, I told no one and went to the appointment all by myself because yeah, this is not true. That's very much Betsy style. <laughs> yeah, like, I got this all by myself. Yeah. So we I went. We don't need anyone else. No. <laughs> I went back in the doctor's room. I was sitting on the table. I swear he was talking to me for at least 10 minutes before I just blurted out, like, am I pregnant? Cut him out mid-sentence. Uh, he informed me that I would not have made it back there if I had not been pregnant. But Kaylee's mind did not think this was possible. Sure. So guess what? He had to start from the beginning. I retained zero information. Um, <laughs> zero information. And from the inside out, I was the happiest person. Um, and the pregnancy was great. Like I literally was working out for steam. I had read the whole front to back, what to expect in your pregnancy book. Gone ho uh, bought a whole nursery, had a whole nursery set up. The one thing with slow, what I used to call slow cooking a pregnancy, right? Is that we had been buying onesies for years. We had been prepping for years because we knew we wanted this. We knew our kids' names. We knew everything that was coming down the pipeline. And we had just announced the pregnancy. I do feel blessed that we had decided to tell all of our family. We, we waited till the first trimester was there. We decided to tell all of our family personally. Um, so none of the social media posts were posted. They were ready. <laughs> they were made. I do feel blessed in the fact that, you know, I had told both my parents. I told the extended family. I had not told my brother. Um, for some reason, I was the most nervous to tell my niece. She was a preteen at the time. She was the only grandchild. And she doesn't love kids. She actually tells me often <laughs> that she may not have them. She just, hey, girl, she may be kid-free by choice. And I support that. I was in eighth grade when my niece was born. So my niece has always been like my little sister. I adore her idea of like sharing me. Probably, I at least at that point was like, hmm, yeah, going to say yay. So <laughs> I went through all this effort to make big cousin hats and like all this personalized merchandise because I wanted her to feel spoiled in the moment as well. And the day I had everything packed up to go ship, I woke up and when I wiped, there was blood. Oh bless your heart and I just remember thinking that this isn't okay <laughs> we'll see if we can get through this without tears no um, no no you you are allowed to have as many tears as you want Gary. <laughs> it's gonna make me cry so I woke up with blood knew it wasn't okay I think I woke up at that time for work at like 4 30 something stupid ridiculous and so I was like well I can't do anything about this um so I did the very normal Kaylee thing and I went to work. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah. uh, and as soon as they opened up, I gave them a call and they had me come in. And once again, I went alone. I, I am O negative. So I was just hoping that my, my shots were supposed to start in about a week. For O negative blood type, you have to get, you know, shots to carry a baby in case they aren't O negative. So I was like, you know what? It's just that. Like, don't freak out. Don't speak it. Don't put it into existence. Like, you've always been weird. A little blood's okay. I went to the doctor's office. They did um, my ultrasound. And the baby wasn't quite as big as they expected it to be. I made the best decision I've ever made in my life. I advocated for myself without really realizing what I was doing. And I forced my OB at the time to tell me my options. I knew that with how much I had wanted this pregnancy and how much fear I had from the jump that 
if I got in there and there wasn't a heartbeat that I wouldn't be able to process. And so we talked through the options. We talked through DNCs. We talked through the pillow. We talked through all the complications. Um, I he didn't want to. He straight up told me no to not worry about it. That we'll talk about when it's time. And I told him if you don't tell me now, I'm gonna home and web empty it. Right. Because I know me, and I am so happy I did because I walked out. And I won't talk about a lot about my miscarriage process because it was hard for me. But I walked out knowing what I wanted to do. And I spent the next week just praying. (laughs) Praying that I wouldn't have to. So, yeah, I came back. And unfortunately, there wasn't a heartbeat anymore. I think I knew that. I, uh. You, you felt it, like, in your soul. <laughs> I, knew it. I I remember, I think my appointment was, like, a Monday or Tuesday. It was earlier in the week. And that weekend, I was supposed to go to a birthday party. And I, I wouldn't get out of the bathtub. I knew my body was miscarrying. And it's, it's so funny, because I knew I was pregnant so fast and so early. I also knew my body was saying, this isn't going to work out. So... Went back in. Uh, it was the saddest thing. I just remember crying when I had my ultrasound. I remember her searching and searching and searching for a heartbeat. And then I remember them making a cold blue because I wasn't going to go back out to the waiting room. And they escorted me back into the room to tell me that I no longer was pregnant or had a viable pregnancy. <laughs> And I honestly do not remember the next two weeks of my life. I miscarried at home. My body was already there. So it didn't take much. I uh, miscarried in my bathroom. I remember my baby when she came out. And I just remember hating my life because I had wanted to be a mom for so long. And my body couldn't do it for me. Um, it was crazy. I think that's the first time I looked for a community. And I remember Googling, like, why am I not allowed to talk about my miscarriage? Why don't people understand? Why are people telling me to be strong when I'm already being strong? Right. You have no, yeah. Like, you have no, <laughs> There's nothing stronger I can do. You know what I mean? I just, I would trade places in a heartbeat with this baby if I could. So why are you telling me now I must be strong and not outwardly express my emotion? And honestly, the biggest mistake I have ever made in my life was not processing that because I didn't process it until about a year and a half ago at all. Um, And I went through so many different phases of depression and I probably have a few pieces of body art because I was acting (laughs) out. (laughs) But it was just a, it was a big experience for me. Uh, I referenced those forums because it was the first time I had community with people I didn't know. And it was the first time I ever read the word endometriosis, which is so crazy. I mean, obviously I didn't act on it, but I do distinctively remember that. And down the road, it's what led me to advocating for myself to kind of go down the journey and start finding out if I had it. Uh that point was not only pivotal for me, for my mental health, for my family, for everything. It was also 
some sort of trigger in my body where my endo just took over. Went crazy. I, I bled for 60 plus days after my miscarriage. I I think at one point I had counted, I had like 68 bruises on me because I was anemic. You're, you're just bleeding. Iron was just no, non-existent. Yeah. I should have been in the ER. I had family telling me to go to the ER. I was trying to punish myself. So I wouldn't. <laughs> you know, if I can't keep a baby alive, I don't deserve <laughs> whatever I thought. So, um, and I, I didn't know that. I didn't really consciously know that's what I was doing. But looking back, I thousand percent know that's why I was refusing it. Um, once I finally quit bleeding, and I don't remember what happened. Like, I don't, I remember going to the doctors because I kept bleeding, but I don't remember any actions we took. I honestly, I don't remember so many weeks of that time period of my life. I do remember I went to work and fired someone. Who does that in the middle of all this? Kaylee does because I felt obligated to do it in a way that was compassionate and not have a stranger do it. Um, You know, trying to put my energy into something else and care for something else was honestly all I was doing. I think I was back in the gym pretty quick. I was just trying to find some sense of normal. So my body did finally stop bleeding after 60 something days, but it never went back to a normal cycle. I would go through extensive periods of bleeding for months on end. I'd go through for the first time in my life, I had missed periods. Um, I remember going back on birth control because they were trying to regulate me again and that not working. At a certain point, they switched me from the pill to the Nuva ring because maybe that would work better. Um, so many different cycles of just trying to get my body to start to have a normal period. During that period before I got pregnant, when I got off of birth control, I was so consistent and reoccurring. And I knew what my period was. And my period was pretty healthy that I was like, why? Why was I ever on birth control? I'm yeah. so much healthier. And then endo just went crazy. Um, in the years after that, I think everything kind of fell apart for a little bit and I didn't realize it. I had a lot of stress at my job. I was blaming my job stress for having random periods happening, but in all reality, I think they were endo related. I remember when I was driving down the road and I had this insanely sharp pain and I just started hysterically crying. I was on the phone. I couldn't process what was happening. I went through a whole diagnosis for ulcers that they could barely see. 100%, that was an endo flare-up. Yes. <laughs> that is what my flare-ups feel like now. But nobody could connect the dots for me. And I did not care about my actual pain. So when it didn't get to a point that, oh my gosh, I'm about to wreck my car because it hurts so bad, I just pretend like it wasn't happening. Right. And that is 100% a self-sabotaging method. Um I was, I was never normal again. Jump forward many years to 2019. I, at this point, have a new job. And I'm starting to realize that my period issues are no longer in my cycle. Like, And I don't think they ever were. Like, right, I'm saying I had a 30-day period. So that was more than a cycle. But it was consistently bleeding. I just thought my cycle never ended. Now it was like I was having my period. And then I would have blood with intercourse. I was having my period. And then all of a sudden I'd have these crazy pains that have made me fall over. And I did not know what was going on with me. Right. One day I was sitting there just kind of 
you know, really just reflecting on what my body was doing. And I was like, you know, I need to go back to the OB. Um, and throughout the end of 2019 to 2020 until the pandemic hit, I was in and out of the OB a couple times a month, um, which was really traumatic for me. I still sure. get hyperventilating and crying. My OB, I, I fired them um, partially because they kept asking me if I ever been pregnant and I was the guy that I miscarried with. Uh, and I come from a world of electronic medical records. I used to build them. I know there's notes. The fact that yeah. they didn't get sensitive enough to remember who I was was traumatic for me. Um, I was getting so, so frustrated with the fact that I would show up, I would tell them something was going on, and I would get sent home without any help. And at this point, I'm just mad. I'm mad I'm paying for a visit, even if it's just a copay. I'm mad I'm paying for something when you're not listening to me. Yeah, it's just a waste of your time. Absolute waste. The pandemic started and it got even worse. I started bleeding nonstop. When I was on my cycle, I would go through a pad or a cup, Diva cup, within 10 minutes, completely filling oh it up. Goodness. Um, working from home was a weird blessing for me. I don't think I could have survived in office with how much I was bleeding or there's times I crawled to the bathtub between meetings just because I needed to sit up again. Um, I started seeing doctors over and over. The pandemic made that horrible because there was a wait list or I couldn't get in or they weren't seeing patients and they want to talk to me virtually, which is horrific when you're trying to talk about your right. body parts. Um, I came home from a OB appointment where I had told them that NuvaRing was kind of working, but the week I was on my cycle, I threw up constantly. I had so much pain. I was huddled over. I was bleeding through things. Like literally, it was like you turning on a faucet in the bathroom was my blood. I was so depressed that I didn't know what to do, and I knew it was my hormones. Right. And the OB had told me, well, if it doesn't happen when you're on a NuvaRing, you should never take a NuvaRing out. And I said, well, I don't think you're listening to me. That's not what I want. Right. And as I'm explaining to him that, you know, I'd still like to be a mom and I'd still like this. And this was the end goal. He sent in the prescription for more Nuva rings. Cool. Cool listening, bro. And I stood up and lost my ever loving mind. I told him he was fired. I told him I would never come back to his clinic. I told him he was the most disrespectful human I ever met. And I don't know why he has this career because it's not what he right. should be doing with his life and I told him he needed to leave my room so I could put my pants on and I was out and I walked out and I honestly don't think they billed me my copay for that visit they must have seen the storm coming after me I was like I'm done with you um I mean good for done. you like for making that decision and standing up for yourself because was, I'm sure that was massive it was I don't think if he wasn't so blatantly rude I probably would have, right? I would have went to my car and cried and whatever. Right. But the fact that he just like blatantly was like, oh, I know how you fix your vagina. Never take this thing out of it. And I'm like, what a man. Like, yeah, I would love to be on birth control for the rest of my life. Also, sir, I'm telling you that it hurts. And when I pull an Uber ring out, there's been blood in me for at least a week. Like, yeah, I'm telling you, it's still I'm happening. Sure not safe. Right. Uh, it's like, I fired him. I called my sister-in-law that night and I was like, I am just so sick of people not understanding. I am so sick of hurting. I'm so sick of trying. And she called her boss. She, she was an office manager with OBs at the time in Colorado. 
they recommended somebody that her boss used to work with or go to school with. I don't know. Somebody she recommended and she said, I think she's far from you, but I, she's good. She'll listen to you. And I was like, you know what? I need a female. You're right. Yeah. Um, I'd always gravitated to men OBs. I have a because... male OB. Yeah. So here's my thing. I always thought that if things got bad, I wanted a male because I wanted somebody to shoot it to me straight. Right. Then when my hormones started doing things I couldn't explain, I was like, you don't, you don't understand. Yeah. I'm doing this to myself. There's a lot of self-blame happening. Oh, I didn't explain it enough. Oh, you just can't understand because you're not in my position. Like a lot of blame that I wasn't putting on the system. I was putting on my ability to communicate, if that makes sense. I understand that completely. Uh, so I, I, I made an appointment, another wait list. A 45 minute drive one way to this person because yeah she did live in the boonies and I got out there and I said hey this is what's going on I am pretty sure I have endometriosis here's my book here's my idea um, I know they've done ultrasounds I know they tell me my uterus is gorgeous I know now that that doesn't mean anything so right. let me educate you. And she's like, no, I, I've heard of endometriosis. And I was like, well, okay, step one, you're, you're ahead of the rest. At least someone has. <laughs> <laughs> and so she goes, she stopped me. She listened to me. She said, what's your goals? Do you want to find out if you have endometriosis? Or do you want to have a reproductive workup? Which may end up in the same spot. Sure. And I said, if I could do this pain and the sickness times 10 every day for the rest of my life, that I could be a mom. I choose being a mom. So we went reproductive workup. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't last very long. <laughs> I I was there two more times, I think, before I got sent to a reproductive endocrinologist for endometriosis. Uh, she did a scrape that day. And between that and my blood panel, it was, I had my CA 125 was super elevated, which it can be an indication of endo possibly an indication of ovarian cancer Um, between those two things. She just said, Hey, you should, you should go to this person. So another, another wait list, more blood work, everything got sent over. I, I sent, I I remember posting about it. I got like a 15 to 18 page questionnaire from my reproductive endocrinologist to fill out prior to my first appointment. Oh my goodness. And so I remember posting about it and be like, is this normal? But you guys, these are all endo questions. These are the questions. Um, so I filled that out. I did all the other stuff, got my last sent you, over. I'm pretty sure I didn't fill out any paperwork. <laughs> and that might say something about the level of service that I got versus what you got. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've talked about it a few times. My current position has very poor bedside manner. So maybe it's a way so you didn't have to talk to me. I don't know. But he was accurate. <laughs> so I showed up. I went into the doctor's office, like getting ready, like, oh, I wonder if, why didn't they give me a gown? Like, I'm probably going to have to do a pap smear or not a pap smear, but a physical exam, right? And he comes over, knocks on the door, and says, follow me. And I was like, okay. And so uh, we went to his office. He said, have a seat. And I was like, okay. He goes, so you, you have endometriosis here's the 12 steps we're going to take. Here's the blood work we're going to do. Here's this, here's this. And here's where you're going to lead for a surgery. And I was like, well, I mean, don't you have to look inside me? I, I mean, <laughs> he's like, no, like I, I know where you're at. I know where your blood is. You can't diagnose it until you have your surgery. Um, this is the steps we need to take. So 
we did do some extensive blood work. We had multiple ultrasounds, things like that. Unfortunately, my A count was at menopausal rate. So we did dig into a lot of those things because he said there was a pretty high probability that I had endo, but ovarian cancer was definitely on the table with some of my other markers. Um, they did not see anything on my ultrasound, so I did not have a ton of chocolate cysts. I only had one or two when I looked at the pictures. Like, I looked healthy, and for about six years, people have been like, your uterus is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's great. Um, is it? <laughs> did you know it could be broken on the inside? Yeah, for real. Questioning. Questioning. Uh, all that happened. Again, global pandemic. So all of this is alone. Uh, the day before my surgery, I had a COVID test. Like I did all these steps. I had to do surgery a thousand percent by myself. No one could be there. I got dropped off at the front door. I walked in by my little self, got checked in, sat there by myself, did the surgery all by myself. That sucks. Totally me up. <laughs> at, my husband was at least allowed to be there for me. Yeah. But. I wasn't allowed to have anyone. And you know what? The the nurses I had were so amazing. Um, they were like, I am so sorry you're going through this alone. And I like looked at them and I was like, actually, I think I'm okay. Yeah. Like, I think I told someone else that, that I felt like my nurses were more attentive because I couldn't have anyone. Like, yeah. Oh, well, especially like I couldn't have anyone overnight for my surgery. So I thought yeah. like, my nurses were a lot more attentive. And, like, when I explained what I was there for and all this sort of stuff, like, the the women there were just absolutely amazing to me. And I did, like, I didn't realize this. Shouldn't have been a shocker. But I realized that the fact that I didn't have anybody checking on how I was doing, I was able to kind of keep those emotions down. Yeah. And I just kind of zoomed out where normally people would be like, are you okay? And then I'd be getting nervous. So, Maybe I'm a good candidate for solo surgeries. I don't know, but <laughs> it was, it was actually a decent process. Um, again, bedside manner of my physician is poor. I didn't see him before my, I didn't see him the day of my surgery. Let me clarify. I did not see him. That's weird. But he didn't come see me before. I was totally conscious all the way into the surgery room. They had me like pop myself over to the surgery yeah. table. That was how mine was too. Um, all my kids surgeries, I was out cold before I got there. I was in there talking to him. I was asking what the light does. We were talking about my nail polish. Yeah. Like, it was a whole vibe. Yeah, mine was, like, <laughs> uh, like talking to me in there, like, oh, like, I know one painkiller doesn't work for you. What painkiller do you want? Like, I mean, full conversation. And oh, as yeah. I'm moving myself onto the metal. So it was so painful. weird. It Are you cold? Weird. Yes, please. Can I get another blanket, please? Like, yeah. it was and then such just, a weird service. Out. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was so funny, too, because it was, like, the week before um, – valentine's day and so they're like your nails are so cute i was like i was going for those little heart candies and that's when i fell asleep when i was trying to tell them about the sweet tarts <laughs> but uh surgery went well i never talked to my doctor the voice conversation or the phone conversation he had apparently was just like she did good we got it and they're like, well, what does that mean perfect right? yeah i remember waking up and being super good um I got to leave pretty quick. You you obviously, anybody that has a laparoscopic surgery, you have to wait, make sure you can use the bathroom and things like that to make sure nothing got messed up. Um, so that was pretty simple. I don't know how the universe was nice to me. I had my surgery the week the Kansas City got to negative 30 degrees. Oh. So I just got to stay in bed the whole time, which was so great. <laughs> Didn't have to take care of any puppies. Uh, and... I, I don't, I talk about it a lot on my Instagram. I did have a 
dog that passed at the beginning part of the year he got sick right before I went to surgery and made it through my whole surgery and literally like laid next to me my entire recovery and was the best nurse ever but yeah it was it was super simple that gas coming through your shoulder is the Mm -hmm. worst pain I can remember I do remember calling my nurse practitioner who I do most of my communication with at one point and freaking out because I had less incisions on my stomach than they had told me I was going to get. And I just thought they didn't do the surgery. Right. Um, turns out my belly button's eliminated. That's why all my bikinis go up over my belly button. They just destroyed my belly button oh. and made a bigger incision there. <laughs> Which, I mean, I'm kind of okay. So the, the normal yeah. incision that people have that's like right under their rib cage on their side, I don't have that tie-up one. I literally think they just split my belly button open i i don't think that thing was connected for a while it's they got (laughs) (laughs) someday i'll show you yeah i'm too old to wear uh below the belly button swimsuits anyways (laughs) well i mean i'm not saying i did it before but i'm saying i'm definitely not doing it now it was so bad that i think on my take-home directions they said like use hydrogen peroxide to clean your wound and i said at that time and i'd call them back and said my incision is like it's not infected but it's like like weird looking and they're like well it's your belly button you have to put alcohol in there and I was like you, you didn't tell me that that's not what the directions say I'm really OCD um they're like yeah well we really like we went in there I was like okay well thank you for that advice so healing went pretty well I did end up in the ER I passed a blood clot um I wouldn't have went to the ER if I had known it was a blood clot unfortunately I pinched a nerve in my stomach when I passed it which goes up behind your ear and oh. apparently can make you feel like you're passing out. So I thought I was passing out for like two hours. And then they kept me because blood clots are super dangerous. Again, right. I've referenced this. I'm just not a very good patient. Um, so there's that. And then I swear to you, I was in such a survival mode for so many months trying to get through a miscarriage, find out who I was again, recover from every single flare-up and sickness I had of endometriosis that after February of this year, I started figuring out who I was again. Um, and I was supposed to be on a heavy dose of birth control, nonstop, no cycles. Um, after my surgery, that didn't really work out. My body broke, break through, bled immediately. Yeah. I did birth control for a while. And then I made a personal choice that I'm just done with birth control. Um, super dangerous choice for me to make in some sense because I'm not doing anything to prevent endo regrow. Right. But for me on birth control, I'm sick four weeks out of the month or I'm having a week or two of me and then endo and flare up. And I chose feeling like me for a week or two. Yeah. Endo is definitely back. Um, I honestly don't think they got it all. Um, I told them beforehand that my bowels hurt and I had a lot of pain. They did not take any endo off my bowels. And, so, um, Sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. You, you said that they did ablation, right? Yeah. Sorry, I, I did not reference it here. I had ablation. I wanted uh, a different path. <laughs> my it, physician like wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely wanted that. Uh, my physician doesn't do it. And, and I it was it staying, staying alive <laughs> at that point. Yeah. And honestly, I had uh, I've made a career change since then, and part of that career change move was insurance purposes because I didn't have the best. I had decent insurance, but I didn't have the best insurance, especially not for chronic illness. So I've made changes in my life sure. for the future. Um, but yeah, so they didn't, they didn't look at my- And I, even though I, you know, I had diagnosed IBS and I had other things because of endo, 
and that's never really went away. Endo's back, um, and I'm kind of in the waiting game. So I told you earlier that I said if I could have this times 10 and become a mom, that's the path I wanted. Their plan was have the surgery, let your uterus heal, come back, we'll test your eggs, um, and then we'll work towards getting pregnant. I can't do Clomid or anything like that because of my miscarriage history. So there is a breast cancer medication that they had suggested I take to get my eggs in a better shape to then do artificial insemination if I ever wanted to try for pregnancy again. And it is, it quote unquote, the biggest Hail Mary, Hail Mary out there, but you're not viable for Clomid. IVF's probably not a really good option for you because of my other, some other results I have, yada, yada. And um, I don't think that's for me. I, A, there's something in my gut that tells me that those aren't going to be successful. And there's also part of me that knows that I don't think I want to go through the pain of it not being successful again. And slowly since February to today, I'm happy. I'm kidless by circumstance, gradually moving to be kid free. I have realized that I have worth without being a mom. I realized that waking up every single day, <laughs> that just your crying tears for me. I love you so much. Uh, I realized that waking up every single day and pining for something that may not be in the deck of cards for me is not healthy for me. And it's made me lose years of my life. And going forward, I just want to focus on my wellness, whether that means management practices for my endometriosis, potentially a hysterectomy in my future. I'm open to the possibilities, but I don't feel pressured to make that choice anymore. I might take it day by day and hope that life just continues to get better and I continue to be happier more days than I'm not. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story with you all. I'm an open book, so please let me know if you have any questions. Um, we'll talk about it someday. I have walked down the path of adoption and surrogacy and we can talk a little bit more about why those are no longer right for me. I just want to be happy, and it's as simple as that. Uh, Betsy, tell them how they can get a hold of us. You can connect with us on Instagram at Pod. You can email us. You can leave us a voice memo on Anchor. Yes, ma'am. And message either one of us anytime you need anything or whatever you want. But with that, Betsy, we do you have you any other last thoughts? Nope. We love you. We are thankful for you. And this has been Not Your Mama Pod. Thank you, guys. Bye.